As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. And now, your host, Randy Bazette. I'm glad you've decided to check out the Relational Leader Podcast. Whether you're a lead pastor or just a volunteer leader or staff person in your church, we all go through so many things in ministry and we have to make so many decisions and deal with so many things that a lot of times we're unsure of what to do. So I wanted to have a place where we could sit together and have conversations about real topics, real things that we're dealing with, and could glean and grow and get some wisdom from those things. And I think if we do that, then we can all be better if we're learning through this together. So that's the heart of this podcast. I pray that you learn something today, that you grow, and you become better in who you are as a person and as a leader. And I pray today that this podcast blesses you. Welcome. We're so glad you joined in listening to the podcast today. Whether you find yourself on your way to work or maybe stuck in traffic somewhere, we hope that this makes your drive a little easier. Maybe you're working out at the gym. Um, No matter where you are, we're so glad that you're here. And I really believe you're going to find some great truths and nuggets uh, to really encourage you in leadership and in church and in ministry, no matter what seat you find yourself in. My name is Kristen, and I am today's host of this podcast, and I am join with some incredible men around this table that are really going to impart some wisdom that you're probably going to want to go back and listen to this podcast again, maybe two or three times. And at some point, I'm sure bring out a pen and a paper and write down some of these nuggets because uh, they are going to be really good. So let me introduce who we've got uh, with us today. Uh, As always, we have Randy Bezat. Randy I have known and had the privilege of working with him for uh, many years. He is my pastor. He is the lead pastor of Bayside Community Church in Bradenton, Florida. And I have just seen just the genuineness and authenticness of how he has led this church and this team and really seen God grow Bayside into what it is today with multiple campuses and God just doing all sorts of things down in South Florida. So as always, Randy, we're so glad that you are here at the table and going to speak into us today. Hey, Kristen. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Just the, the heart behind this, speaking to pastors and leaders and churches and talking about real issues, right? And helping us grow to become all that God has, has for us. And so uh, thanks, Kristen. I'm glad to be here. We also have joining us today a very special guest, an incredible pastor and leader and author that many of you listening probably know. Um, and it is Pastor Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. Pastor Chris, we're so glad to have you here and can't wait to hear what you've got to share with us today. It's good to be here. It's warmer here. <laughs> <laughs> got it your feels, golf shirt on. He's ready to great. go. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, we are so glad that you braved this horrible Florida weather to be down here with us today. And it's going to be a great conversation. I think I'm really excited to hear uh, from, from you guys, and I know our listeners are as well. Today's topic, we're really going to be talking around the idea of, of church planning and uh, some questions that maybe church planners have as they are 
are starting out uh, team building and and even some real raw conversation on just kind of mistakes that a lot of times church planners make that we can learn from um, and I'm, I'm sure I, you know I know you two are are perfect in every way but maybe even some mistakes that that y'all have made that that we can learn from and so to help help us through this conversation we actually have a really special guest with us uh, pastor Ontario green and he is a future church planner and so I'm sure he came prepared with a ton of questions uh, but we're so glad Ontario that you joined us here and I can't wait to to kind of dive into this conversation with you hey listen I'm just excited I feel like a kid in a candy store I can't wait to ask my questions first things first I'm just excited to be here I'm a, I'm a future church planner and uh, I'm on this road so I'm sure a lot of people that are listening can relate and uh, first thing I want to ask is before you even get down the road of trying to plan your church uh, what would be a good thing for a guy like me to be thinking about before you even start putting your plan together what type of prep or what do we need to be doing what what needs to be thought about well that's a great question it is <laughs> but um what you should be thinking about is making sure you're connected relationally because you're going to need a lot of people's help honestly and so we figured out Gosh, it's been almost 19 years ago now when we started ARC that uh, we, could, we can't do ministry alone and that every different person that we're in relationship kind of adds another skill set or a piece of wisdom that we're going to need. So really, there's no one place you're going to be able to go to learn all that you need to know to pull a church off, you know. So I think that's the coolest thing. And one of the things I want to encourage every listener to do is don't do ministry alone. Make sure that you're in relationships, you know, and so that's. That's the most important thing, relationships. Yeah, it is. It is relationships. Uh, to echo what what Chris is saying, Ark. Now, how many churches have we planted now? Some just over nine hundred. Just last across weekend. the nine hundred. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So, wow. what an incredible season in what God is doing. Planting, by the way, through through the Ark, some of the fastest growing, largest, most influential churches in America. So. The reason why I tell you that is obviously not to brag, but I think there is a process and a system and there are values that church planners need to be successful. And I think we've come up with a recipe for that. And I love, Chris, the way you started it. It, it wasn't a, an approach. It wasn't fundraising and it wasn't building your team. It was you being relationally connected because this is not a church planting thing. Right. Right. This is just a church leadership thing that we we feel so lonely and don't feel like we have anywhere to go. And uh, pastors are struggling with this all the time. And we figured out that the churches that weren't succeeding were not connected and they weren't getting all of the resources. And you think about resources, you think about money, but there's there's relational resources and there's wisdom resources along with money resource, which is really That's important good. as well. But we can bring all of that to the table now and, get, and come alongside these pastors. And the net result is, is that they're having larger launches and the larger the launch, the higher rate of success. So the more impetus and more growth you can have right off the bat, yeah. it's, it has a higher chance of succeeding if it, if it starts big, then starts small. That's and good. so that's what we attempt to do. And so That's good. So relationship is important, but I wanna ask a little further, what does a guy need to be preparing himself for personally? How does that, pre how does that prep look for, for me as a person as I'm thinking about starting something like a church. Mm -hmm. uh, it it kind of dovetails into this relational thing because as a church planter or even a pastor who's 
leading a church, you're probably in uncharted waters like mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And if you have other people around you who do know, then they can provide the wisdom for you. And just like in parenting, church planning is the same way. There are principles you can learn, but there is not a formula. And so in relationships, you can get formulas and context, and you can take that and go apply that. But you can't just go to shelf 300 and pull off the packaging and open it up and do it. So what can you be preparing yourself for, Ontario? I'd say growing as a leader in the relationships and look for people who are where you want to be in the areas that you're weak in. And you go, wow, there's something about them. And then go pursue those people and learn from them. And then the other way, true, is uh, is true, too, that not only the relationships that are speaking in your life, but you're only going to be as successful as the team you build. So if you really want to know a a single focus, I think the best thing I did, honestly, um, and I don't really think I've done a whole lot of things well. I've got to give God God a lot of glory for what's happened in our church. But I think the best thing I did is the team I built. Mm. If you get the right people around you now that are speaking into your life, and that's what we've been talking about so far, but also now you've got to go build a team. I heard coach Lou Holtz said, he said, I've noticed I'm a whole lot better coach when I have good players. <laughs> and it's true. You're going to be about as good a pastor as you have the players on your team. And that's what all the great leaders, great coaches are doing right now is they're recruiting, they're recruiting, they're getting the right people around them. That's so good. That's really good. You know, perhaps maybe if you want to expound a little bit on that, you know, thinking about church planners, but also maybe pastors of churches that are trying to build on build their team and expand that a little bit what are some things to do right wrong what what do you have to add to that yeah i think that's a really good thought process because you know as you're reaching for guys and you're you're building relationship you want to know you want to know what you're looking for in in team members like i i think um overseeing a ministry is a little different than pastoring a church so as i'm looking to recruit people maybe i'm looking for a different quality than I'm looking for with just people who are going to be in a ministry. Well, they've got to buy into you. Honestly, it sounds a little narcissistic, but they really have to like you. I don't know how they're going to be a good team member if they don't like their coach. My wife likes me. Well, that's <laughs> a good point. She's going to be a great team member. <laughs> that is a She's great got start. no choice. <laughs> and so, but truly, I, I look for people that just kind of, kind of in some ways kind of feel called to do life and ministry with me personally. And then they have to believe in the vision. I mean, when you share the vision, it, they, either, they either bite, bite on it or they don't. And if they don't, you know, it's probably got, because God has something else for them uh, to do. And then, honestly, I like the I like young people. I, I I'd rather teach someone how to do something well than have to unteach them how yeah. to do something they're not doing so well. So, I tended to to staff, um, and even the early days, pull around me some of the younger people. And um, I don't know. I just think I think it's important. But but let me give you one more thought. And this is a, this is honestly, Randy. This is probably one of my newest thoughts about leadership that I'm starting to share with pastors um, is that I think too many times when we have a job or a position, we kind of go after one person to fill one slot. And I'm learning, you have to go after a 12 to find the next one. Like, wow. we're, like we're, we are, we open new campuses, but we don't, we don't think about the next campus pastor and looking for one. We actually have 30 guys right now being trained, kind of like a farm team system. A pipeline. Yeah, exactly. Because, and, and here's the deal. The one that I thought could do it is never the one. Somebody else rises up. They, they're, they're, they just work harder or they, you know, God's picked them or I don't know. So, I, and even Jesus, you know, he didn't, to change the world, he didn't, he didn't disciple one or even three. 
he had all 12. And, and I just think, you know, pastors should go after board disciples, many people as you can. You'll be surprised the ones that actually rise up. Well, he picked the 12 uh, to get to the three. Exactly. And so those three That's rose good. to the top. And, That's right. And honestly, scripturally as well, the, the your gift make room makes room for you. Yeah. And as you gather a team of people that you are developing, the best will rise to the top, just exactly what you're saying. And then those will be the people that will be in higher levels of leadership than others. But you give them a, a place to, to learn and grow and fail and see who's going to rise and who isn't. Now, uh, you said something in there that I just feel like we ought to tag on to building your your team in essence and you said you got to have people you like but but i think uh you said something that we could drill down on a little bit and that is you talked about vision people that believe in the vision i don't think a lot of pastors and leaders know how to clearly articulate vision and to draw people to be a part of that vision and chris honestly if, if there's nobody better at the table i'm glad this came up today uh, then for you to share that, why don't you give us a couple of nuggets, a couple of pastors who are listening, some nuggets on articulating vision and, and keeping it clearly so that people can run after it. You know, I actually read a definition once about vision and what vision visioneering people do. And they said they, they, could, they have the ability to paint the picture of the future. And it's two things. It's ennobling and, and, and enabling. So it, in other words, it's something noble. It's a cause. It's, it's something that if we don't do it, the world, the world won't be a great place. And so it has this noble cause, but it also has a place where every person fits to say, and here's what you could do to make this happen with us. Like I can do it, but I'm not going to be able to do it as well without you. And when they had that sense of, wow, this is a cause and there's a place for me that, that if I don't jump in, it's just not going to be as well. When I, when I'm talking about dream teamers and people serving in our church, I always say it this way. I say that, you know, what we're doing is not broken and we're doing it pretty well, but we do it a whole lot better with you. If you were a part of this, We'd go further, faster, reach more people. And I think people need to know that they have a place. So to articulate your vision of, you know, reaching lost people and seeing people free and, and finding their, 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 their purpose in life and all of us as a body of Christ making a difference and then helping that person say, and then here's what, where you could fit on this team. It's kind of like a coach, you know, we, we got great running backs, but man, I need a tight end mm-hmm. and I can see that if we had this one extra piece, we could we could run this play now and we and we could win a championship. And people, you know, want to be a part of something like that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So um, then I would imagine you have to continually go back and re-up that again because people forget vision leaks, as someone said. Uh, but you got to constantly keep giving that vision, reminding the team why they're on the this team and why that's important. And you're the tight end. You may not think it's important, but but it is, and consistently reminding people of that. Exactly. That's so good. good. That's mm-hmm. so good. Love it. All right, so I got another question. All right, so um, I'm just thinking, you know, the statistic now is, is something like 90% of the guys who plant fail, okay? Um, not so with ARC, but that's, that's the regular. I think that the thing that I probably contemplate the most about is I don't want to make a lot of mistakes. I don't want to. I don't want to make the mistake that's going to cause my church not to work. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see church planners make as they get started? Well, again, we this is a this is not an opinion. This is a fact that the ninety percent that fail fail because they're under resourced, 
And when they're under-resourced, they don't start strong. So it'd be like making, you're opening a restaurant, you make one of the best, whatever, pizza, whatever, and, but you, you don't have enough money to have the, the booth right and the menus right. And you have a great idea, but you, you weren't able to have that, I call it the big bang. It's probably terrible. <laughs> but, <laughs> I but don't just think that works theologically here. <laughs> but, uh, but to have this big explosion of energy, because you preach better, Think about it. You preach better with 200 in the room instead of 20. Yeah. <laughs> Worship's better with 200 in the room instead of 20. So it, so it, it becomes this catalytic explosion of energy. The tipping energy. point, if exactly. you will. And, and so, but, so the question really is, what would it take for you to have a launch that is large enough to have that kind of catalytic tipping Inertia point? Inertia. Exactly. Really... And what we found out... Uh, Ontario is that it's somewhere around three or 400 people. If we can get that much, cause there's going to be some natural attrition. Mm-hmm. There always is for all of us. So after the, after the second, third Sunday, and if, but if you can still have this, this enough people where the dynamics are strong, well then it's going to work. And that's what we found out. So w- that's what ARC basically decided to do was to heavily resource on the front end. So the launches could be larger. That's awesome for the guys who, who don't make it to the finish line. What are you seeing in those guys other than money, resources? Um, give us some other stuff. Give me some other things to think about as I'm tracking down the line of starting our church. Uh, what are some of the mistakes you see made? Well, I think, uh, you know, just to be in the mindset of, of you, Ontario, and where you are starting a church or you're pastoring a church and you're, you, you don't have the staff you need, like, how do I manage all of that? You got to I've got a funeral to do this week. I got a message to prepare, prepare for. I found out my youth pastor who's volunteer, they're, they're leaving and I don't have them. And, and my wife, I hadn't been on a date with her in three weeks. And mm. my kids have soccer practice tonight too. And it is just so overwhelming. They just don't know how to manage it all. So I think the pressure of, of managing all of that, it, I think, puts such a stress on the family and your per- interpersonal relationships that I think it ultimately causes pastors to tap out. Uh, whether they tap out because they set up had enough or it leads them down the path to make wrong choices. And so they really need to figure out how to live a life of balance. Chris, you and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand about, about some pastors who think it's so much built on them that they can't rest and they can't take time off. And this is not a church planner thing this is not a young church or small church thing it doesn't matter the size of the church so it is it is realizing this is so important the church is not built on a person ontario the church is built on the person of jesus christ that's good and if you don't realize that Mm -hmm. that god grows the church we water and we plant seeds but god grows it then you will work yourself beyond what you should be and you're not really trusting in god and that's a great spiritual principle and it sounds great and some of you listening will probably say amen but you'll also be oh me what do i do (laughs) right and uh so i think you just have to prioritize things for me you know I, i got my phone here in my hand and this phone drives my life, <laughs> my calendar, the social media, and all of that stuff. So for me, what I've had to do is put stuff on my calendar. My date night is on here. Hello, somebody. Oh, yeah, that's what Amy said. Yeah. <laughs> my, my Randy golf time, which is my outlet. 
my Randy workout time, which is how I relieve stress, those things are on there. And if you don't put it on there, at least for me, okay, if I don't put it on there and somebody calls me with an emergency, because there's always emergencies, there's always urgent things, then I will fill that time slot and I won't do those. But then I look at my calendar and it's already on there and I go, well, I can meet you next Tuesday. That's good. And most of the times, right, Pastor Chris, people call you with an emergency. Guess what? It didn't get here today, and it'll still be there next week. I'll I'll deal with that next week because tonight is Amy time. Yeah, I don't know a successful leader that's not a master of their calendar. I don't know a single one. That's good. I don't know one. So you're going to have to figure it out and and prioritize and, and as he said, just schedule things. you got to say a no to a lot of things. Mm. You know, the old proverb, wisdom. Uh, consist of the elimination of the non-essentials and there's honestly a lot of non-essentials that creep into our life that you're going to say no to i remember when we launched our church we had to simplify a lot of things you know we didn't we couldn't play three sports a year have five kids we just couldn't do it we had to pick one you know and we'll get back to that later and so maybe some things have to change there but definitely um, have to be master of your own calendar that's so good. You know, I think so I think part of this, yes, it is personal calendar, and uh, that that's so important. And uh, I love what you said though, about the mastering your own your own calendar. I think it is also true realizing who you are, or at least the station of your church, because we feel like we have to say yes to all these ministry opportunities, mm-hmm. and it may not be the time for that. I, I know. I think back to starting Bayside. And we, when we first started, we did the, the Colonel Sanders approach a long time ago. Their, their motto or their slogan was, we do one thing, we do chicken, we do it well. And Amen. I thought, you know what? I'm going to do weekend service, and I'm going to do it really well. And until I get that well, then I'm not going to turn on these other things. Because if you look at all the ministries in your church, and you were to strip them down to go back to your word, essentials or non-essentials, if I were to get rid of every ministry in our church, but I kept weekend services, our church would continue to exist. If I cut down weekend service and I did all the other things, our church would cease to exist. So That's great. tell me what is the essential thing? You have to have a great weekend service. And then turn things on. Boy, there's so much we could talk about here, but I'll say it this way. You can't do anything without a champion, without a leader. So don't start new ministries or new initiatives till you have the leader in place That's and great. until you're already doing the weekend service really well. That's really good. Yeah. That's good. That's I, really, I heard really good. you chuckle there, Pastor Chris. What was that? What was that chuckle about? Oh, it's so true. Just because, you know, I was actually, just, I was thinking back during, uh, this shows, shows my age, when, when um, Clinton was running for his second term, President Clinton, and he had uh, James Carville. Um, who was kind of his front man, who's a Louisiana guy, LSU guy too, by the way. I don't but, want to claim but him, like, but yeah. He's, yeah no, he's a crazy guy. I knew but, that was going to come he, up. But he kept saying, it's the economy, stupid. That was his, that was his, look, y'all forget all this other stuff. It's the economy, you know? And, and so he was trying to make a point of what, like you can focus on all these trivial things in politics, but when it comes down to it, we've got to get everybody's pocketbooks. And I was thinking, when he said, I was thinking, it's Sunday, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're over here thinking about all these other things, like counseling one person for four hours a day is like listen to me you won't have anybody to counsel if you don't get sundays right and and the weekends right so he's exactly right so ontario i think you just found your new motto for your church come on now it's the weekend stupid it's sunday you tell people that you ain't gonna grow your launch team i'm gonna tell them pastor chris hodges said so everybody will show up then that's funny
Oh my goodness. Okay, so I've got another question. Um, what about let's 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 switch to volunteers, okay? Um, some of the guys that are planning churches, like myself, we come from staffs, all right, where we're used to having staff people being able to do stuff around you. Then you shift to this model of being a church planner, and you got to do everything you're going to do through volunteers. Mm -hmm. What's the secret to getting staff level? Um, competence and action out of volunteers as you get started I think uh, you, I got to tag back to what Chris said you you have to uh, build relationships because uh, as I think John Maxwell said this that people buy into the leader mm -hmm. before they buy into the vision yeah so uh, I know most church planners the way we tell them to do that which, by the way, isn't just a church planning thing. This is what a pastor should be doing, is, is having relational meetings and sharing vision with people and letting them get to know you. There's something powerful about telling your story. Yeah. People connect with your heart, and they connect with your heart. Then, okay, where, where do you want to go? We'll charge the hill. So the relational component is first. Then you have to clearly articulate your vision on why this church plant is so important tying it in with what pastor chris said ontario which is uh how important you really are yeah and then it is through that then people come to be a part of it and it is in their serving and letting them pick the areas that they're they're passionate about you'll see the cream rise to the top now i'm going to back up and say something letting people pick the areas that they're passionate about yeah i was going to ask you about that okay um because a lot of churches and pastors, the way they lead is, well, we have a need in this, would you serve in this area? Warm body. Yeah. And, and the problem, here's the problem. 70% of the population are what we call server gifts. They see a need, okay, I'll do it. It doesn't mean they're passionate about it. And you burn them out because they're serving the area, they're not passionate about it. But if someone serves in an area that they're passionate about, you don't have to motivate them. They're already intrinsically motivated. So the, so the key is to discover, not recruit. So it's already in Sheesh. there. That's good right there. Yeah, so if you recruit, you're, at, you're, telling, you're telling them what you need, but when you discover, you're, you're finding out what's already inside of them. And you know the Bible says to each one, grace has been given. And the word grace is the word charis, which means a divine enablement. So every person in the seats, every Christian has a divine enablement, meaning it's something they do that when they do it, they enjoy doing it and it makes an eternal difference. So they're already motivated with that, which by the way, when leaders talk to people that we are trying to get involved as volunteers or you know, on dream teams or whatever it's called, if you make it sound like, man, I really need you to do this, they actually almost create a defense. But when you're communicating in a way where I'm letting you do this, I am showing you something that if you got involved with it, you're gonna have found the fulfillment you've been looking for your whole life. You've got, but you've got to believe that inherently. Mm -hmm. If you think that people don't want to do it, you'll inevitably communicate that way. But if you think that when they do it, they're going to go home thinking, man, I was a part of making a difference today, you'll communicate it that way, and it's very key. You know That's how so I answer that question all <laughs> the time? So people come, even now, where do you want me to serve, Pastor? I go, I, I don't have an agenda for you as a place to serve. But you know what I want to do is I want you to connect in the area that you have passion about. And then they all like, well, uh, well, okay, well, I want to. And it's almost like now they're, they've already gotten ownership. And if they, if they have ownership, if they got stock in the company, 
well, they're going to work harder, and you immediately have given them ownership. Whew. That's some good stuff right there. I got about three conversations to go back and have now. <laughs> some stuff. <laughs> Dang, church planners. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. That's, That's really great. Good. This conversation has been so rich and I'm sure super helpful um, for you. Oh, so what, good. Uh, what, give, give us another question. What, what, what else have you been sitting on that you're itching to ask? Okay, so here's a question about culture and how culture is kind of driving society right now. And um, as a young pastor getting ready to plant a church, uh, what do you guys do to keep up with culture do you make changes to your vision as it relates to things changing in culture? How much are you willing to bend? What are you willing to do to kind of keep up? Again, I think we're thinking about that one the wrong way. Instead of, uh, instead of you know, reflecting culture, we need to set the culture. That's good. We need to tell culture what it should look like. And so I, I, I hear what you're saying in that you should know enough about culture to be relevant. Yes. But I don't think we have the job to reflect it. I think we're supposed to be light in darkness. That's good. We shouldn't like take on another shade of darkness to make Christianity appealing. No, no, no. Let's 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 put a, a, a you know the light on the top of that hill and shine for all to see. And so so I think the best things you know as it relates to cultures be aware and i for me because i don't know anything about pop culture or any of that i just keep young people around me to inform me in fact even between services I'll, they'll say pastor chris use that illustration that was like from 40 years ago no one would even know what you were talking about like all right well give me a different give me a different name or some uh, illustration to use so i'm all about that but man let's don't let's don't even think too much about cultural trends and whether the church is speaking to that man i think we we can't make a difference if we're not different you know what i'm saying and let's just let's let's go ahead into that and 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 that's good and and set it man let's let's be leaders in the middle of a culture that's going in the wrong direction in my opinion so have the culture to set have the courage to set culture exactly which means that honestly the best culture question is what kind of culture are we going to have in our church that's actually so life-giving that people coming out of that that dark culture can come to and go wow I've been looking for this my whole life. I think it's one of the best questions you can ask yourself too. Is just what are the cultural values that our church is going to stand on? That, That's so good. That are life giving and are drawing people to you. That's good. That's really really good. I uh, I think when it comes to culture, it couldn't have been said any better than than your the way you said it. We shouldn't you know speak from culture but to culture and let let ours be a light. Uh, I think that, uh, that it's, it's extremely important when it comes to speaking to cultural issues or hot topics, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. is you have to at least examine your own heart to first of all say, why would I want to speak to this? Mm. Am I trying to correct people or am I trying to give them understanding and wisdom about this? Okay. So I think if you come from it while I'm trying to correct them, then you're speaking to people. And I don't ever see Jesus speaking to people. That's I think good. he was speaking with people, and he addressed cultural issues that were completely taboo. Uh, the woman at the well, for example, uh, you know, he but he wasn't speaking to her. He's speaking with her and bringing her understanding that hey, I can I can bring something to your life culturally speaking and eternally speaking that will change your life forever in the yeah. things that you thirst for. And all of a sudden, she leaned in rather than being spoken to. Yeah. And, and I think when we're dealing with hot topics these days, don't go to try to make 
people hear what they need to hear. Just speak from a life-giving heart. And I've done that at times in our church. And I've some people who agree with me, I would hear them, they would start clapping in church. And I would go, well, no, 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 you guys don't understand. I'm not saying that so we can say, yes, we're right, and everybody needs to hear that we're right. I want you to understand the heart of why Jesus would say it this way or why the Word of God would speak to it this way That's good. so that people can, can receive it and want to be a part of it. I'm not here to, we're right and you're wrong. You'll okay. never win people that way. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. That helps me a whole bunch. You know, the the goal setting is set culture. Don't change with culture. So that's really good for me to leave with and uh, for me to incorporate in what we're going to be doing. Thanks. I appreciate that. You know, thinking about culture, you were saying things that your young people would come to you and say, you should say, that's too old. You should say something else. I, I can't tell the story because it's it's bad, but I did something at church one time that that is relevant now to culture, and I completely misunderstood what it was, and I should not have done it. And in the review meeting after service, <laughs> so that's why that was a that big decline. No, no kidding. Like what happened to the attendance, man? <laughs> I'm surprised uh, you didn't get a call as one of my overseers. With that, in which that's another point in itself is make sure you have voices that can speak openly in your life because none of us get it right all the time. You know, it's just good that's to so have good. trusted voices around you, even between services. So that's so good. That was actually going to be my next question is, is what do you guys do to keep up with what's going on in the world? I mean, you guys are such great leaders. I'm sure you have your heads down a lot. You're charging the hill. You're taking care of leaders. You're raising new things, doing new things. What do you do? Bottom line, keep, keep your team young. Keep Let's your team keep, young. Keep your team young, the people that are around you. And when I say your team, not the people that are three or four generations away from you or two generations. I mean, they have your ear mm -hmm. because if they're two or three you know, levels away from you in the organization and you're not directly hearing from them, then you're going to be completely out of touch with culture. Oh, that's so good. That's yeah, so totally good. agree. Do, I do the same thing, especially in the creative areas. So I have a creative team weekly, and I just invite different people on our team in a lot in a variety of different eight to five areas so they could be in children but they just i'll just mix them up bring them into the room they talk to me what are you seeing what are you hearing what do i need to know what's going on because honestly i don't want to be it i i personally don't i'm not in it enough and don't really want to be in it enough to be as relevant as i need to be as a communicator so wait a minute you you mean to tell me at this level of ministry you still involve yourself in creative meetings Oh, you have to because I'm, I'm actually you know going somewhere in the in in the in the future Sundays that I'm actually driving and I'm going to be the main communicator. So I'm telling them which direction I want to go in, and I just ask a lot of questions. What's the best way to say this? What's the what's the most entertaining way to say this? What's the most impactful way to say this? And just listen, listen, listen. I call it leading with questions. Mm -hmm. One of the best ways to lead a meeting is. I, is to lead with questions. Now, I always think I know the answer before I even ask the question, <laughs> yeah. which is part of my problem. But I, like I, I, I go into those meetings thinking I know what's best, and I think, well, I'm just going to discipline myself to listen. And every time they surprise me with, wow, I did not know that. That's really good. Like we're doing a relationship series in a few weeks, and, and, I, just, and, and I knew which direction I pretty much wanted to go in. And they immediately came with, yeah, well, let me tell you about this, this, this. And it, and it has shaped the entire series, the title of it, mm. all of that just by their input. Sheesh. So good. So Amen. Good. Listen, I'm ready to start a church like tomorrow. <laughs> I really feel like I'm really equipped. These guys have just, man, 
I just feel like I'm on steroids right now. It's just awesome. Yeah, good. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for pouring into all of our listeners in Ontario. I'm sure you are, like you said, ready to charge the hill. Let's go. I got to teach you a good LSU phrase then. Here we go. (laughs) And and that is, we coming. That's what our coach said. So you said, let's go. You got to say like, we're we coming. You yeah. can't understand how he's talking. Like the cookie monster. We're coming. <laughs> That's if you're listening, coach, I love you, man. You're a great coach. But man, you got a great voice, man. I'd have you preach any day. We say he's the first coach we've ever had that doesn't have an accent. <laughs> Thanks for having me in, guys. This was awesome. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.